This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the podcast for what is your hat-trick appearance. Uh, Before we get going, on behalf of listeners of the podcast, as most questions started with the same sentiment, we all hope that you and your family are well during all of this. No, we're all all good and obviously I'd echo them to obviously every Swindon town fan back back down in Swindon. Um, I'm up north in Manchester with my family at the moment, so it's difficult times and I I hope everybody stays, uh, stays safe. Absolutely. And also, congratulations on being inducted to the Doncaster Rovers Hall of Fame. Lovely stuff. Well, it's long overdue. I'm probably the best player they've ever had, so it's probably long overdue. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so so this episode is a question and answer. This has been hastily prepared, um, so almost every question in this has been provided (coughs) by a Swindon Town fan. Uh, This episode was brought round... Uh, due to your increase in social media use, I'm sure yeah. they're amongst uh, some of the uh, circumstantial winners of this lockdown social media, isn't it? Twitter is something you've dipped into a few times over the years. What, what's your view on social media during all of this? Um, what, in the general public? Yeah. I think it's a brilliant tool. I think there's a lot of idiots on it, a lot of people that just want to criticise and live life in the way that, that shouldn't be lived and, and just very negative people. Um, but it's brilliant for people to interact and and things like that. I mean, the only reason doesn't take a rocket science. The only reason my, my activity on it has increased is because of the of the sheer boredom. Being at home, there's only so much jet washing you can do, painting. Um, and when I get a, an hour here and there, just to sit down and have a coffee and go through mainly sport, but Twitter in general, some of it's very refreshing. Um, but some of it frustrates me because of the negativity and. And, and things like that and sometimes it's quite difficult I want to I want to really tweet back to him and really go to town on him but I hold back at times <laughs> I don't know how many times I've composed a message and then just gone do you know what nah it's not worth it is it yeah <laughs> I know okay then so 
let's start with these tweets then. So we'll start with TJ Meerkat, who says, what are you doing to keep yourself entertained? I've dug out a mixture of retro and new PlayStation and Xbox games and binge watching stuff on Netflix and the WWE Network. We all know what TJ Meerkat's up to now. (coughs) Other than doing the DIY, what have you been getting involved in? Well, I'm not really a big computer lover anyway. I've ne- I never really have been, but my my 12-year-old lad would not let me anywhere near it anyway, so there's no chance of me getting any good at computer games. Um, box sets on, on Netflix and stuff like that, I'm big into, but these, these new series on Amazon Prime, All or Nothing, I'm not sure if you've seen the one on Man City, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of um, American football, um, All or Nothing, really good behind-the-scenes get to see how they how they pick players uh relationships between the the head coach and, and the owner which is a lot of different in america and um, the way that the, the teams interact the level of income between a, an american footballer one can be on 10 million a year and one can be on twenty five thousand a year so the difference in in pecking on a, a, of, of um, american football is really intriguing um, so I've, I've watched a lot of them um so they've they've kept me busy yeah have you watched the the Michael Jordan one on Netflix talking about wages? The reason why I haven't is because when I get into these things, I'm not <laughs> someone who sits there and watches one. I have to watch probably four or five on the bounce. So I'll wait till the whole, all of the episodes have been put together and I'll watch the whole series at the same time. Yeah, the wage thing between Jordan and Scotty Pippen is very, very similar. Crazy stuff. Okay, uh, William D asks, in your opinion, so in the opinion of Richie Wellens and Richie Wellens only, do you think this season will be played out in full? And if it's not, what do you think the best alternative to end the season will be? Um. Well, the, the honest answer is I'm not sure. If it is concluded, it will be behind closed doors, which will allow money to come in via iFollow and sponsors and, and maybe different betting um, online streams and, and revenues that way, which would probably be the best-case scenario. But I've heard people mention null and void. I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. If we'd have played seven games, ten games, maybe even 15 games, then I, I get the point. But we're over 75% of the season. So my chairman, our supporters, myself, have put so much time, so much effort. And really, it's the only only the, the supporters, sorry, the, the, the managers and supporters of clubs that are not playing for anything that, that are really arguing for that. So I think one, one idea I've got is that the Premier League, no one gets relegated from the Premier League. Liverpool win the league, which they deserve to do, to do. Then Leeds and West Brom get promoted to the Premier League. You have three games for the next four, i.e. two playoff games over one leg in a final. And the Premier League has 23 teams next year. Go along with that. Nobody gets relegated from the Championship League 1 or League 2. And everybody gets their promotion. And everybody has something to, to obviously, as a benefit of, sorry, a reward of, of everything they've put through this season. I think the Carling Cup next year, sorry, the Carabao Cup can be a pre-season tournament. Because your Premier League teams aren't going to Asia, to to America on big sponsorship deals. So I think we could have the Carabao Cup in terms of catching the games up as a pre-season tournament. And then extra games in the Premier League will, will be played on a Tuesday night when the Carabao Cup would be. I think these people at the EFL, they've got a lot of time on their hands. They should be coming up with really good plans to, to finish the season. 
In regards to those who want it voided, it really surprises me, and not because I support a team that's in a very good position. It's just if I was a lower mid-table team with nothing to play for, I'd be thinking about next season and thinking, do I want to play Swindon, Plymouth and Crewe next year? Yeah, I don't totally think I agree. would. Totally agree. But the the biggest thing why people want the season to end now is because we can only furlough our staff, our players, until they return to work. So if they don't return to work the whole of April, sorry, the rest of April, the whole of May, June, July, maybe a little bit of August, we don't know, that's four or five months of the of the government giving them two and a half thousand pound a month per fifty, maybe even sixty employees. It's a hell of a hell of a lot, hell of, a lot of money that they're saving. So I understand it from their point of view, but morally, in terms of the integrity of our sport, it's totally the wrong way to go. Mm. Okay. Well, Ants comes in with a question here. If the season was to restart, do you think it will essentially be a mini campaign anyway because of the length of no football being played and the returning players from injury? It's essentially like a new season anyway. Um, yeah, he's got a point. And the majority of our injured players will be back fit. But it's not like your typical end of season, pre-season where your players go on off on holiday. You know, they, over, they eat a lot more than what they should. They drink a lot more than what they should. They've earned the right to that because it's the off-season. Um, they haven't been doing that. So, therefore, we don't need a longer a longer um, mini pre-season, if you like, to get fit because we know what the date is. The, the FA have given us the 16th of May, so we're working towards that. So, by the start of May, you should be getting your players fit. By the middle of May, they should be fit and ready to train. And then by the end of May, beginning of June, they should be ready, ready to play football games. Yeah, and Craig the Pirates adds to what you've already said there. So he says, I listened to you on TalkSport and you mentioned that 16th of May is the date where we're scheduled to return to training. Are you happy with that? I've got no other choice. That's what the EFL, they're the ones that obviously govern our sport, govern our league. So we have to go with whatever they say. Um, and that's the date that they've given all, all EFL clubs. So that's what we have to run by. And as far as I'm concerned, we can't get back to, to football quick enough. I think it will be, if we had football on TV now and I, and I get the argument that people are dying and their health issues and, and what have you and the frontline workers are doing everything they can to try and save lives and help people recover but we have to remember that a lot of people are going through a lot of problems stuck at home not doing anything and it might have a longer lasting effect so we have to really be careful with how long we stay in lockdown obviously it needs to be safe and the government are going to have to make choices that are not going to be easy but the sooner that football is on TV, the sooner that people can have a relief away from and what's going on and watch sport and support their own team, then the better it is for everyone. On injuries, we've already covered a little bit of it. Mikey L says, are there any are any of our longer term injured players like to, likely to be involved if the season resumes? Yeah, more more or less everyone will be back. With the only worry we would have was because Dion Conroy is such a serious injury, then we'd have to be really careful with him. And my gut would say that we just leave the until till next season. If he's managed to get two or three games, then it's a bonus. But he's had two really bad injuries now at a young age. So we would never, ever do anything to jeopardise his career. And I think the, if we can get three or four months training into him once he's, he's, he's fit enough to actually join in football training, then that'll stand him in better stead than actually rushing back playing in first-team football. Stu asks, I appreciate that it's hard to gauge, but what's the mood within the club at the moment, especially when you consider that we were potentially only a month or so away from promotion? Well, I think frustration. Obviously, 
we all wanted to carry on playing. But um, the mood is, we've, we've had poker nights, we've had quizzes, um, we've had a couple of Zoom calls with some of the players and, and what have you. They're obviously all in their own group chats as well. So they're putting all the work that they've done in terms of fitness work onto the onto the WhatsApp group as well. So the the spirit is good. I mean, we've got a really good set of players anyway, both both good at football, but really good people as well. So we're very lucky in that aspect. Um, but the morale of the club is obviously it's a difficult situation, but we're just trying to deal with it as best we can. We need to know who the uh, who the best at poker and the worst at poker is, and who who won the quiz night. Um, well, I actually won the quiz night first, but everyone thought I cheated. <laughs> but the only reason myself and Owen Doyle was actually top, but the only reason I won was because I answered the questions quicker. It gives you, a, I think it's 10 seconds or something to answer the questions. So they all thought I was cheating, but obviously I was quicker to answer. So that took that argument out of it, but I didn't want to believe that I beat them all. Then the second quiz, uh, Tom Broadbent won. So fair play to Tom. The poker, I don't actually know because once I was knocked out, then I leave the session. So I don't carry on watching <laughs> the players that are still left in. <laughs> are any of the guys watching Cameron McGilpin his eSports odyssey I've, I've heard about it one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to sit a, sit and watch a screen of watching someone play FIFA so um, wish him well hopefully he can win it um, I've heard he's a very good very good player at it so um, hopefully he can if we win that and then we win the Wiltshire Cup as well and then we get promoted, we can do the treble this year. <laughs> I have never played a game of FIFA in my life and I watched one game and I had absolutely no idea what was going on other than Cameron McGilp has some questionable music tastes. Well, he's a young lad, isn't he? So. <laughs> OK, Josh Gruber says, what have you implemented in terms of routines for the players during this lockdown and who is in charge of monitoring that? Well, at the start, we obviously given fitness plans to work from. We was doing them quizzes. We was playing a bit of poker. But when we we got wind that it was going to be made a 16th, we've just given the players total freedom. You know, you don't need to do any fitness stuff apart from ticking yourself over. Anything strenuous, you don't really need to do. Um, so we're basically using this like it is a normal pre-season now. So they're going to get two or three weeks break from doing anything. Then we'll all come back because we believe once the season's up and running, the gap between the season finishing and then a new season starting again will be very, very short. So they we're just allowing the players to use this as a little bit of a holiday, a little bit of a mental break from and physical as well, a little bit of a, a break from football in total. Yeah, and of course we have absolutely no idea how much of a real preseason they'll get when this finishes either. No, but again, that's up to the management team mm. to to gauge on what we need to do and, and what we need to top on. It, it it might even be a question where we only get two or three weeks off, and you don't really need to do anything in terms of fitness. You're just ready to go straight away. Mm. So again, it's in the hands of the FA, and we just wait to see what their decision is. Susie Q asks, how long do you think the players will need before they will be ready for competitive fixtures? Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of fitness, hardly any. It will just be a case of getting them used to the ball again, a match situation. So we'll probably arrange three or four friendlies in in the space of two weeks and get minutes into the players. So I would imagine a couple of weeks. Alex with the next question saying, in a recent tweet, Richie said that he doesn't trust stats. Do you mean (laughs) things such as XG, GPS data, or do you just go full pretty Patel and struggle with any numbers? That was more, it was a sarcastic tweet. 
in terms of what the team of the season would look like. Um, I don't think I agreed with many of them. Um, so, in terms of stats, stats can be really misleading at times. Um, I remember when I was a player at Leicester in the Championship, I was the second most successful passes in the in the Championship, and the the player I wasn't happy that one player was beating me. So I'm not going to mention who it was, but I've, you know what? And I went away and I watched videos of this player who has got more successful passes than me. And he gets it off the right back, he gives it straight back to the right back. The ball then gets played over to the left back, he gets it off the left back, he gives it straight back to the left back. He's just basically passing back to people who are giving him all the time. No effective, no forward passes, no clever passes, no assists in the final third. I was like... Pfft. This is just, and then I looked at my passes, and he was forward, and he was progressive, and I got really, got really frustrated with it because it just says passes, pass success rate, successful passes that I was second in the league, and I really grated on me because I wanted to be the best. Um, so, for example, you could get somebody in League Two that crosses the ball twenty-five times in a game, very impressive. But where's he crossing it from? If Lloyd Isgrove gets five crosses in for me and he's crossing them in dangerous areas, high up the pitch, and it's a good decision to cross it at that time, then that's a lot more effective getting five quality crosses in in good areas than somebody who's crossing it from the halfway line or crossing it when you've only got one person in the box and he's crossing it 25 times. So I'm very, very... I like a lot of stats, especially physical stats, because they don't lie. But in terms of football-related stats, I like to just go off my eye and what I see... Are people making good decisions? For example, Anthony Grant might not get a lot of plaudits because he don't go around spraying the ball. 60, 70 yards, he's not threading the eye of a needle pass, but he's always in a good position defensively. He, as soon as he gets it, he plays quick one and two touch to people that then can progress forward, whereas Michael Doughter is a little bit more clever in these passes in the final third. So you have to manage what, what stats you're getting and judge them for what player is doing certain things on what you want from them, them individual players. So you have to be really careful with stats. How important are the support staff? And by support staff, I'm talking about the physio, sports scientists, the analysis guys, kit men, in terms of their roles and collective morale to the squad? Well, in terms of morale, people like the kit man and the heart and soul of the club. Um, John and Steve, very, very good people. Swindon supporters, um, Really, really, really good people. In terms of physiotherapists, well, I can't treat people. It's not my <laughs> professional expertise. And when I first joined the club, I had meetings with with Tom, the physio, and he said, well, what do you want me to do here? What do you want? I said, Tom, whatever you do in your physio room, I will never come into your physio room. Whatever you do with the players to get them fit, that's your expertise. I will never interfere. Just get them fit. As quick as you can, get them back to me. If they're going to be out for four weeks, don't tell the player that they're going to be out for four weeks because they'll use every inch of that four weeks and it might even take five weeks. So if they're out for four weeks, tell them they're going to be out for three weeks. And if it takes four weeks, we knew that anyway. But I leave the fitness coach, the analyst, obviously I have to, to have a lot of arguments and a lot of discussion with the analyst over certain clips, over certain tactics. But any other... You know, the fitness side of it. I leave people to do their jobs. I don't think a manager should interfere in and make people uncomfortable in their positions of what their expertise is. Let them get on with it. And if I have a problem, then I'll, then I'll go and see them. What do you miss about the day-to-day? 
I think just seeing the people working. Um, you know, when supporters come and they watch us on a Saturday or a Tuesday, they just see the final product. They just see that 90 minutes and they make a judgment call of of what they've seen during them 90 minutes. But when you're a manager, when you're a coach, you see what processes you go through. You see what training sessions have been through. For example, the crew game was, was brilliant because I like to be very detailed and know exactly what the opposition are doing and I want to know what we're going to do and want to drill that into the players on a, on a Wednesday and on a Friday. Um, we had a session before the crew game playing 4-3-3. It was awful. I think we had a couple of injuries at the time. Um, and then we, we, we go away. We can't go that way. We can't leave the, the, the middle of the pitch open to crew. They want to pass through. But they don't, very rarely did he cross it. They fill the middle of the pitch. They want to pass through you. And they want to expose people one v ones in in the middle of the pitch and, and played slide rule slide rule passes um, down the side of centre back. So we have a discussion for a couple of hours and we spring it on the players before the game that they're going to go free at the back. It's the only time, apart from the very first game, that I've been free at been free at the back. Clog the middle of the pitch up with three players and make sure we're strong with three centre halves in the middle of the pitch as well. If you want to cross it, fine. We're happy. We didn't feel that we could cause us problems from high crosses in the box um, so then when we get the result and we win 3-1 you take a lot of satisfaction of having them conversations and trying to visualise what the game's going to produce and trying to come up with answers before everybody can watch a game of football and go well we should have done that we should have done this we should not the art of, of being a good football manager or a good coach is trying to visualise what is going to happen have your input on it and then actually coming you know executing the plan and it, and it working Phil Carps asks, the transfer rumour mills are already moving. Do you still have one eye on next season despite all of this uncertainty? Yeah, very little eye. Very little because we don't know when the season's going to end. We don't know when the transfer is going to transfer window is going to be open, when it's going to be closed. We don't know what our budget will be. We don't even know what league we're going to be in. So there's too many too many questions yet. Obviously, we've, we've sounded out little things like, players that we would like to have if we if we do go up and what discussions we can have in terms of finding out what them players would demand but again this situation has put a hole I wouldn't like to be a player going out of contract in the summer because mm. their demands now I would imagine will go down significantly Ben Nichols adds to that saying in in your honest opinion what does the summer hold for League 2 what's the plan for next season and what's going on with current player contracts well, again, we we was in negotiations with with Jordan Lydon just before this had happened, so we'll, we'll 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 probably get Jordan done. And as I've said in numerous times, I'd like to keep this squad together, and I'd like to only add there will be there will be people leaving, um, but I think we only need three, maximum four players to impact the starting eleven. Um, and I would like to start in conversations as soon as possible, but we just don't know what impact will this will have on us financially um, going into next season so again we just have to be patient the players have to trust me that when we are in a position to make a decision and offer people contracts then we will do so we will do so a little bit of space for Frank McAvenny away from Parker not from Bruce though Nyholt with a shot took a deflection it's in Luke Nyholt has equalised for Swindon Town and bottom of the table they may be, but they are made of stern stuff. 
You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Mark Bevan asks, if we're promoted this season, where in the squad would you like to improve the most? Um, well, again, that will be determined on the players that we keep. So Owen Doyle's out of contract, Andy Grant's out of contract, Keshi Anderson, Kane Muller, obviously Jerry Yates, Admiral Musque are on loan. So that leaves us very, very short in forward areas. I think our centre-halves have done really well this year um, when they've been fit. I think Baldry and and, and Fryers were the two best centre-backs in the league when he was fit. I would imagine we're going to need another one just who's who's consistently fit just to complement them two. But, again, the decision will be who can we keep out of our loan players, i.e. Jerry Yates, Roman Edmonds-Green has got a, a big future. Can we, can we do anything there? And then, obviously, can we agree contract extensions to the to names I just mentioned? That will be a a big factor in, in, in the areas, therefore, after that, that we need to look at. Mark Wells says, what were your connections to your backroom team and when did you decide that you wanted them to join STFC? Yeah, so in terms of Noel Hunt, Noel Hunt was, was a player at Waterford, which is the chairman's other club. Um, and then something happened that the manager needed a, to have an operation. So Noel Hunt took over and managed to get Waterford in, in Europe so the chairman promised that whoever the new manager at Swindon would be, um, they would take him with him. Now I had a conversation with with Lee about that and said, "Listen, I'm happy to give to give Noel a, a chance and see how it goes, but under no illusions that if it's not working, then then I will not keep someone who I'm, I'm not happy with." Um, but very quickly, very early on, that I realised Noel was very good in a, in a football environment, someone who's enthusiastic, wants to learn, wants to get better. And somebody who I can who I can trust as well, which is a big thing. So, um, in terms of that, it worked out really well. Um, Tommy Wright is someone that I've played under. I've got a lot of respect for Tommy. Again, his his the, his demeanour, the way he is, just suits a football environment. So, I think in terms of our dynamics, I think they blend quite well. You've got myself and Hunter, a little bit younger than Tom, um, but he's obviously got a lot more experience. So, so I think he balances off really well. Jack Tanner says, did you think your first full season would go as well as it has when you joined 18 months ago? Um, I think I always had belief that if I could get a team through pre-season and start planning properly, then I, then I would do. Um, my, two, my two seasons previous to this one, I started my first season at Oldham and we played 11, won one, won one drew one, lost nine. So I'm going into a, to a, a situation which is obviously not good. Um, and then when I come to Swindon, obviously we, things are not not looking too rosy. Hence why a manager gets a job anyway. It's very rare that you go into a, you get a new manager and things going and, and the team's flying. So um, I think when I first walked in, I just needed to buy myself some time, give the give the players belief in what I was trying to do, give the supporters some kind of identity is what we wanted to go towards. Um, obviously, the first game was a really tough scenario to go through for myself, but it was looking back, it was probably the best thing that could have happened because players didn't trick me then. I'd made my mind up early on. I knew I was going to be ruthless in the summer. Um, and then after that, we won three or four games on the bounce, so the supporters kind of got on board and, 
and seen some of the type of football we can play. And I knew once I got my own players in that we could we could improve that and make us an even better team. Ben Sharp and Sam Blackburn, both with similar questions. What has been your most enjoyable moment in game so far as a Swindon boss? And what has been your worst um, equivalent so far? Um, extra at home because because of the crowd. It was like, you know what, this, is a, this can be a really, really big, good, progressive football club. But I have to say this season, in terms of my feeling, what has been a proper game, Plymouth away. You know, really good team, good stadium. They just opened the new stand. They waited until they was playing us to open the new stand, you know, to get more punters through the door. You know, and we was outstanding. The atmosphere, the intensity of the game. It was a proper football match and we fully deserved to win it. So that's probably been the best game. The worst one this season, probably Newport at home. The way it, the way it escalated, the way Dion went down and was out for the season and, and the way it really affected us. And we, and we went on a bad run then three or four games after that because we kept on picking injuries and we couldn't have a settled squad. Chris Foote says, what are you most proud of achieving since joining Swindon? Good question. I think if I was to ask you six, seven years ago, what was Swindon about? What would you say? Six, seven years ago. So what are we at that stage? So we're... Yeah, so when you had Di Canio and, and Mark Cooper a little bit, what would you what would you say about Swindon? We were good football inside. Yeah, okay. And what would you say about Swindon for the next four for, for the previous four or five years? We went through the motions. <laughs> okay, so if I said to you what is Man City Football Club about, what would you give me? Oh well dominance. Dominance of possession, full-backs high, getting bodies in the box, crosses, pullbacks, goals, good attacking play. Now, if I said to you, that's their identity. If I said to you the identity of Burnley, Burnley is a working-class area that want to play 4-4-2, that want to get the ball forward to a big man, that want to cross the ball, and be horrible to play against, make it cold and, and really difficult for teams to go... Sean Dice has that club to their identity. So I think the biggest thing and my proudest thing is when I speak to people now and when people speak to me about Swindon Town is they play some good football. They attack you. They score goals. They get crosses. They get rotations in midfield. They can cause you problems. So I think we've got that identity that, you know, you go back to, to Mark Cooper and Di Canio and, and before that, I think we've, we've half got the culture of the club, the identity of the club, Back to where it should be. Neil Haywood and Tom Coward have similar questions. Which Swindon player has surprised you the most before the shutdown, either by their improvement or ability level? Again, that's a tough one because we've had so many players who have performed consistently this year. You know, we've got the two highest goal scorers in the league. I've asked Jerry Yates to move out from, from being centre forward. Every time he's played centre forward this year for us, he's scored. But then every time we've got Doyle back, we've moved him to the left and he's put a great shift in. He's scored goals. He's been a massive goal threat from that left. Um, again, there's probably just too many. I think my biggest, I'd say the biggest one, and I'm sure Paul wouldn't mind me saying, but Paul Caddis, Owen Doyle come to me and said, Paul Caddis, what do you think? I said, Doyle, how old is he now? And he's only 30, 31. I said, you're joking, I? I thought he was about 34, 35. <laughs> And I said, no, Doyle, he's not for me. He's, you know, I think he's, I think he's gone. I think he's past it. And that was just me stereotyping from the last time that I seen Paul Caddy's playing a team that didn't really fit in to, to, to how he played. 
So I said to Doyle, I said, listen, bring him in. Bring him in for three or four days. I'll have a look at him. But in the back of my mind, it was like, he's going to be a no. And I come, he come in. He was the fittest player. His quality was very good. He's a great lad. Um, so I would say, I would say Paul, even though the, the Swindon supporters have obviously got a good relationship and, and know him, I've seen him from the outside and knew what a good footballer he was. I just felt he was getting to that 30, 31 and maybe hitting a downward spiral. But he's come in and he's been a brilliant professional. Again, the most important thing about any footballer, whether they're skillful, whether they make good decisions. Paul Caddis makes good decisions on the football pitch nine times out of ten. And um, and he's been a great addition to the squad. Tom Coward firstly says he's just bought you on Championship Manager 2001-2. I think you were a Blackpool player at that stage. And you're doing lovely, so that's good to start with. Um, he asks, who has improved the most throughout the season? And do you have any funny team stories? Um, funny team stories, I would, I would definitely keep them in. <laughs> inside I mean the funny stories that come out of our club are mainly about Jonah the Kitman because he's just the life and soul of the place he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant lad but he just ain't the brightest so I think the players like to take advantage of that but you know he's a brilliant kid in, as I said in terms of everyone who's, everybody's improved um, again as a, as a manager as a coach you, get, you take great satisfaction the fact that Bender Hunt Friars Bowdre Grant was struggling to get in Shrewsbury team. He's coming. He's been a revelation. Owen Doyle not getting in Bradford's team or not scoring in Bradford's team comes in 24 goals. Yates doesn't play for Rotherham. Comes in for. There's been so many success stories throughout, and and again the players individually take great great credit for that. Mitchell Singh says you've been quite honest about not being a huge fan of some of the players when you joined the club. But did anyone change your mind by the end of last season? Dion Conroy. I think when, and again, I go back to that Carlisle game being, it was horrific. You imagine you just signed for a club on a Friday, you take the game on a Saturday, you've had very, you've no input on the team because it's impossible because the time frame is totally against you. And you're sitting at the side of the pitch in, in a new environment in front of your new supporters and you want to make an impression and you're 4-0 down with 20 minutes to go. You imagine how tough that must be to, to go through that. You want the you want the ground to swallow you up, but you know what? I stood there and I took it and I stayed with with every single one of the players, still encouraging them because um, I want I stayed till the very end. I stayed on the pitch till the very end because I wanted to see the the players' body language to see how they react. Um, and that that day gave, although it was tough to go through, it gave me a lot of information that that I took forward. So it was a it was a big big learning curve, um, and I, and I made my decision on a lot of players back then because I just knew I knew athletically in terms of talent wise on the on the ball they just couldn't take me to where I wanted to get Owen Doyle's love child asks if you could change one law in football what would it be um so I seen a report the other day about Mikel Arteta would like to make the nets <laughs> bigger sometimes I just think people overthink things and want to change the game just for the sake of it, I think we've got a brilliant game. I think the, bas- the back pass rule was one of the best changes that the game could could have created. It's made the game quicker. It's made goalkeepers think a lot more and, and the game has changed because of that. Um, so I wouldn't like to change the majority of it. I think the biggest thing for me is not changing anything about the game, but I would like our referees to be professional. I would like them to be full-time. I would like them to earn a, a good enough wage that they didn't have a, a side job. 
And then every weekend or every Tuesday night, they have a hobby and they go and referee an EFL league game, which is our livelihoods. Um, so, yeah, I'd like referees to be full-time. Darren Dunn asks, how would you improve the football experience for fans? Um, again, this will come down if we can go up and our finances improve and we can get more money into the club. Obviously, when I go around watching different different games and watching different going to different stadiums, I see a lot of, very rarely I get there just on kickoff. I, I usually get there about half an hour kickoff so, so I can see the build-up to the game. Blackburn have a really good one. They have a fan zone. They have a stage where local you know, musicians come and perform and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think we can do that. I think we can improve a lot. But again, you're talking about Blackburn, who've got decent finances. We'll need to, to go up a level then to to continue the the whole infrastructure of the match day experience. And it will get it will keep on getting better, but we do need more money in and we need to go up. This is where things start drifting into the very surreal and strange, but still Swindon at the moment. Josh Strange and Dean McMacken ask, if you could manage three former Swindon players, who would they be? Uh, Glenn Hoddle, obviously. Wonderful left foot, brilliant footballer. Um, so he'd be, the, he'd be the standout one. John Moncur always stands in my mind because obviously he was playing for Swindon in the early 90s. Um, just when I was really getting into football, um, and I'll never forget. I think it was Cantona that stamped on Munker, mm-hmm. wasn't it? So, yes. um, yeah, he always stuck out. Again, brilliant left foot, really good footballer, could make his team, make his team tick. And then obviously I remember him when he was at West Ham as well. So, them two definitely. And then I probably brought Bill, Billy Painter in because I played with Billy, um, larger than life character. And I'd love to manage him just just to do his heading every now and then. <laughs> Mike Dixon asks, if you had an unlimited budget to add one player to your current squad, who would it who would you sign? Bloody hell. I get this off the off these six and seven year old mascots every match day. <laughs> and the answer is always the same. Lionel Messi is the best player that we've ever seen. He's probably the best player that we'll ever see. People take him for granted because he doesn't score 70 goals anymore a season. He only scores 50. <laughs> I mean, come on, he's the best player that's ever lived. He's a freak. Um, and when he retires, people will go, where's a, where's the next Messi? I mean, I know Ronaldo runs him close, but people ask, where's the next Messi? And there won't be one coming. There won't be one coming for... People going about Maradona. Go online, Google Maradona, his stats, his honours, and put them next to, to Messi's honours. No one stands in comparison to him. Who, who's the best player outside of Swindon in the lower leagues, do you think? In our league? Yeah. Um, again, I think we should have six or seven. If we, if we pick the team of the year, I think we should have six or seven. I like Broom from Cheltenham. I like Sarsovic from Plymouth. He's had a very good season. I like NG, the right-back from Crewe. Um, I like Lowry from Crewe, very good footballer. I think Danny Mayer is a good footballer, but I think he's disappointed this season for Plymouth. I don't think he's been quite at his best. Um so they're the players that I would say. I think them, Colchester have got some good players. But I think if you look through our squad, we've got a lot of good players and, and, and a lot of players that have probably been the best in their position in this league. I mean, this is a Swindon podcast, so I can ask it. Why do you think Swindon players are largely overlooked when it comes to these polls? Do you think they're just trying to split out? Because Lincoln had no. half the eleven the other year, didn't they? Yeah, but I think a lot of these are done on, again, stats. Mm. So... There was one after about three or four months of the season 
um, that was done. And I see, and I seen it. And up front was James Hansen because he won the most headers in the league. Well, okay, but Grimsby might play every single ball to his head. The fact that Doyle was in it because of his goal-scoring record, but the fact that Jerry Yates isn't going to be Hanson at headers is because we never play the ball up to Jerry Yates' head. It's other fit. So it's very flawed in the way that you... I mean, Hessen Tyler was in it. He's been dropped by Grimsby three or four times this year. <laughs> the Grimsby goalkeeper was in the team of the year. He's been dropped several times. You don't... For me, Stephen Benders and the Plymouth goalkeeper is the best two goalkeepers in our league. Here we go then. Kieran Hart asks, you have to pick three former teammates that you've played with or managed, players or coaches, to have round for dinner. Who would you pick and why also? Uh, you have to pick a further former teammate to do the entertainment and pick another to do all the cooking. That's one of the longest questions I've ever had. I had to brace In terms myself. Of, so... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick anybody that I've managed because I wouldn't have a relationship with a player like that. So I would have to go with players that I've played with. Paul Gallagher would do the, de- the entertainment. He's captain of Preston at the moment. Really good personality. Um, you see him on Twitter and Instagram playing the guitar, so he could do the music as well. Um, very, very good footballer. Thirty-five now. He's probably Preston still, still Preston's best player. Um, difficult one. Um, James Coppinger. I would, I would invite round. Very, very good football brain. Excellent footballer touch and technique he's not he's not many better than him um players that i've played with um again if i was if i was going to the very very best players that i played with it would be for the england under england youth teams under 19 and the 20s where you play with like gerard and and joe cole and jonathan woodgate ledley king so i would probably say gerard just because of, of as a midfield player what more do you want He's, he's strong, he's athletic, he can pass a ball, he can score goals, he can run ahead of the ball, he can sit in midfield. Um, so I'd probably say Gerard. A few more to go. Neil McLaughlin says, away from football, what's your favourite thing, if anything, about Swindon? Um, I, again, it's not. I'll leave my apartment in the west of Swindon. I'll get to a training ground for half seven, eight in the morning. I'll do two hours of work before we go out to train. I'll then drive back to the ground. I won't leave the ground till five or six o'clock. And then, to be honest, you know what? You're knackered. I'll just go home and I'll go to a few restaurants in the in Old Town and have some to eat. But then I'll I'll just go home and I'll watch TV and I'll wind down. It's not. Um, I'd love to try and you know see some of the little villages in around because I've heard that Marlborough's really nice and a couple of other places. Um, I'd love to play golf. In around the app, you just don't have time when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, you constantly got to be at it. Mm. Remo asks, What is your favorite restaurant in Swindon? Well, that's an easy one the Old Town Thai in, in Old Town. Uh, I'd never I'd never eaten Thai food until I, until I joined the club, and Craig, the owner, invited me there. And I was like, You know, have you not just got steak and chips? He went, Just try it, have a couple of dishes, you know, you can just try a bit of each and then. I got into it and it was lovely. So, yep, it would be the old town tie. Matt B says, Northern chippies are the best. What's his normal choice and what's he missing most about the chippy? Well, I tr- have you seen my six-pack? It's very <laughs> rare that I go into chip shops. <laughs> no, I mean, I try and stay out of the chippy. We'll probably have it, the, the kids and, and the wife of it a bit more than me. But 
sausage chips, peas and gravy, fish chips, peas and gravy. So I would say them two, one of them two. I think the meat pie, chips, peas and gravy. It'd be one of them three anyway. I just depends on what day it is. Always pie. And that I think you've answered the next question from Leifer. Gravy or no gravy on chips? Well, have you seen Stocker M's phrase? Yeah. the uh, Northern boys yeah. love gravy. And it's so true. Oh, so, so, I mean, I used to live in the northeast. And the first time I went out in Durham when I moved out up there... Um, I, I bought a burger at one of those sort of 1am sort of burger stalls stands <laughs> and they gave me the burger and said do you want gravy with that and I was like absolutely I do um, and my wife See, I don't know about I don't know about gravy it was a day, mess but... it was an absolute mess and my... I mean if you don't if you don't have here's a question for you <laughs> if you don't have gravy on your chips at a chippy what, what do you have on it salt and vinegar but, but what else is it not dry yeah, yeah, I don't like sauces, so I don't like uh, tomato ketchup. You, honestly, but... you don't know what you're missing out. Ah, oh, man, I love gravy, though. I love gravy on chips. The, what you can have is gravy on chips and then a bit of ketchup as well. You're mad. You're mad. See? Northerners. <laughs> Alex Carter with the last question. How many pairs of white trainers do you own? <laughs> At the start, I had to, because obviously, as you can imagine, they get quite muddy on the sideline, but um, so I was changing them every couple of games but um i managed to found a really a really nice pair with with like a a laminated sole around around the around the edge um so as soon as you got any mud on it you literally just wipe it and it comes off really clean so the answer to your question now is i've only, I only need to buy one pair and, and they'll last me hopefully fingers crossed well there we go um before you go do you have a rallying cry to swindon town fans at this time no, I mean, just at the minute, abide by the government rules and, and, and stay in and make sure you only go out for exercise and, and obviously the food that you need to buy. But the quicker everyone does abide by these rules, the quicker we can get back to normality. And I hope everyone stays safe. And and so the day that we, we've we got a home game in front of our supporters, it's going to be some spectacle, you know, a full house at the county ground and, and everybody celebrating not just life being back to normal, but our local community being able to to support and and, and stand by their local football club it'd be it'd be brilliant but um yeah like i say just stay stay safe and stay healthy can't wait for that day richie wellens thank you very much thank you the low strangers is proudly sponsored by the official stfc supporters club the music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. For it's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. Come on, come on. Yeah, no. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.